Hashtag Psychotherapy Unfogged with Mark Fielding Hello, welcome to episode 11, season 4 of Hashtag Psychotherapy Unfolds. As you know, I'm your host, Mark Fielding, um, psychotherapist and relationship counsellor. Uh, today I have the pleasure of interviewing return guest, uh, actor, Kira O'Connor, um, as our listeners may remember, Kira kindly came on with the cast of Joe's latest film, I Miss You, um, which was episode eight, I think, of season four. And um, today, Kira will be speaking of a lived experience with ADHD. Uh, now, this is a really, really important area, you know, and I'm quite conscious that we've only ever covered it once on the show, and that was way back in season one. Um, so I really feel that we have not given it the attention that it deserves. So hopefully we can correct that now with talking to Kira. And I think going forward, you know, in terms of the show, I, I really want to kind of interview guests with lived, lived experience around neurodiversity. Um, and that's something we've really not given enough attention to on the show. So going forwards, I'm going to really, really try and correct that. Um, but just for, for the meantime, thank you so much for coming on, Kieran. Really nice to see you again. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And maybe we could kick off. Um, just could you tell our listeners a little bit around your journey, maybe with with ADHD? Well, I mean, what's been your journey with it? Yeah, sure thing. Um, well, I am a I'm a late uh, I've been, I got diagnosed late in life. So maybe only around, I think it was maybe four years ago. Um, because, you know, growing up, it wasn't really talked about. Not many people in my family knew much about ADHD. Um, and I actually, uh, started researching it because my boyfriend at the time was studying psychology and the area that he was doing was ADHD. And he was like, wow, that sounds like my girlfriend. So, um, I did some more research into it and I went to my GP and I um, asked to see a psychiatrist. Um, and this isn't a great story because um, she said, I'm not actually allowed to say this, but you don't have ADHD. And I was like, oh, okay, um, but can I still see a professional? Can I please see a psychiatrist? Yeah. Um, okay, fine. Um, and then she sent me to a fake psychiatrist like uh the referral wasn't real so um that really took some uh the confidence out for me because I was already quite nervous to see someone about it um yeah. and then so after that it took me about another two years to actually get the confidence up again to see someone about it again um and then I saw a different GP and I got referred to around four different psychiatrists because no one was accepting any more new clients mm. Uh, new patients um, and then finally I got booked in for one I had a 10-month wait um, the appointment was like $500 I think and I needed two appointments wow. um, but finally after all that time I got diagnosed and it felt like such a weight off my shoulders um, and it, it I kind of got the diagnosis for myself um, you know, this is the first time publicly I'm telling people about it. Only my close friends and family know about my diagnosis. Mm. Um, and it, I, I wanted it for myself because I knew something wasn't, you know, quite normal in my brain. My brain didn't work the way that everyone yeah. else's did. And I didn't yeah. know why. Yeah. Um, that really impacted my mental health throughout my childhood and teenage years. So having that diagnosis was it was such a weight lifted off my shoulders. 
Yeah, and goodness me, I mean, in terms of the fake psychiatrist, and I mean, what a terrible experience, because, I mean, as you say, it's such a big deal, isn't it? I mean, to reach out to, you know, a psychotherapist, a psychiatrist, and you're looking for a diagnosis of something that you think you've got, it's a massive deal, isn't it? I mean, perhaps it's a bigger deal for people than maybe it should be, but, you know, but there's still so much stigma, isn't there, over mental health and everything, and then to be met with that negative experience. So that set you back for another two years. And and then yeah. two years later, you kind of entered into, you know, looking for a diagnosis and the late diagnosis, you know, and also the waiting times for diagnosis. Uh, it sounds as though it's really similar in Australia to the UK. You know, I mean, it is people have to wait for a ridiculous amount of time, you know, to to get diagnosed. I mean, looking back, you know, before diagnosis, what did you see? I mean, what what kind of aspects did your boyfriend see? I mean, what did you kind of see in terms of your neurodiversity pre-diagnosis? Yeah, um, well, I found it really hard to, um, I found it hard in school. I wasn't necessarily a, um, you know, bad student or I, I got average grades, you know. Um, I was exactly where I was supposed to be, which is another thing that I think, um when people do go to see a psychiatrist, uh, a lot of, um, a, a big thing is that, I guess, a, a st- stigma around ADHD or misconception, I should say, is yeah. that they're bad in school and they get bad grades, which is just not true, um, or at least in, in my case anyway. Um, so I was pretty all right in school um I found it very hard to focus on things that I wasn't interested in which I know is a an ADHD symptom but Mm. it can also be seen as just being normal because a lot of ADHD symptoms um you know a lot of people experience them it's just at the what level do you experience them that's what causes the diagnosis um so yeah because as a kid I didn't really know much about it um I didn't, I, I kind of just thought it was normal. Um, and even when my mum went to see the psychiatrist to kind of, you know, give her experience as my mum, she was like, oh, I thought that was just Kira being Kira. I didn't realise it was anything different. Um, so that was really interesting to hear that, like when I did more research about it, it's like, wow, okay, that's a symptom. I thought that was normal. I thought everyone felt that way. Yeah. Um, so it's it's I, I didn't know any different. So yeah, yeah, because I guess it was your normal, was it? Wasn't it? Really? Yeah, you know, I didn't and, know and yeah, and I guess you know, I mean, there, there is a lot of misinformation, you know, still around ADHD and the presentation, and you know, and and I, I mean, it's not my specialist area, you know, but from my understanding, you know, similarly to think ASD, I think the presentation can be different in in females. You know, females tend to mask much much better than than males and you know and of course adhd there's a whole spectrum you know i mean it, it, adhd is a diagnosis but you know but everybody with adhd is an individual and experiences the world through you know their own kind of individual lens you know so 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 school wasn't particularly a struggle it was more things that you were kind of not interested in that you struggled to connect with but things you were interested in were fine your grades were fine there wasn't massive, yeah. obvious difficulties in concentration. I mean, I, I definitely lent towards more creative um, fields and classes. Yeah. Um, university was a big struggle for me because uh, the first year of university, I wasn't uh, 
I don't think I was diagnosed or I may have been diagnosed and not told the university because I didn't realize there was anything in place for me. Yeah. Um, but I found that really difficult to the point where I've dropped out just because I, I can't, mm. it, it's quite hard for me to um, stick to the subjects and the do the coursework and everything like that. Um, and I just wasn't interested in it. And that that's a really big thing for people with ADHD. If they're not interested yeah. in it, their brain just can't concentrate. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not being lazy. It's not lack of trying. It's, it's, you physically can't concentrate on it. Like you want to, but you can't. Um, the, the same can be said in high school. Um, uh, I did my year 12 during COVID 2020. So I had to do a lot of self-learning, a lot of, you know, motivating myself to get out of bed. Um, I was actually pretty good for the first few months and then the second and third lockdown came and I just lost all motivation um, and I struggled a lot to try to self-motivate and it's not that I didn't want to it's just that I couldn't and there's there wasn't any support in place for me at the time um, in terms of my ADHD or additional help Um, but yeah that was that was very difficult Um, and I know with myself, I, I I need change. I get very bored very easily. Yeah. Um, so I can't do the same thing over and over again. Um, and that's very prevalent in my, in my work. I've had probably just over 10 part-time jobs just because I do it for a few months and leave just because yeah. I get bored. Um, like I, I will give up shifts. I will like not want to work. Um, so it, it's taken some time to actually find something that I really love and acting for me, I've wanted to act since I was a little kid and I don't know why that's stuck, but that's been the one thing that's, that's stuck with me over the past few years, um, that I continuously do and I love. Yeah. And as you say, boredom is, I mean, that's a kind of classic ADHD symptom, isn't it? Boredom is like kryptonite, isn't it, for people with ADHD? Because, you know, your mind wants the stimulation, really. You know, I think this is why often with people with ADHD and having different tasks that they can move between, you know, it it is easier than just trying to really, really kind of drill down and concentrate on something that they're not really finding particularly that interesting. I mean, the last guest we had on in um, episode one was an entrepreneur, I think, from memory. And, you know, was talking about, you know, ADHD being their superpower in terms of creativity. And can you say a little bit more? I mean, how their ADHD and your creativity kind of blend? Because I'm guessing there's probably some advantages there. 100 percent. Yeah, it's like, you know, I have sounded quite um pessimistic towards my adhd Mm. today but there there are a lot of good things about it um a a lot of people think that it's a a a deficit in attention but it's just an irregulation um so it's not that we don't have enough uh, dopamine to keep us like attentive it's we, we can't regulate it we need um like for example i i'm very good at picking things up quickly so I will see someone doing something and I will pick it up and do it for three days straight and it will be exactly how I envisioned. Um, I A few months ago, I got um, inspired by something I saw on TikTok and I decided to make an entire ball gown um, out of a doona cover because yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. But um, I did it for three or four days straight. I woke up 
and made this ball gown and went to sleep, made it again. And um, I don't know how I did it, but it turned out really well. Um, so I feel like I personally am quite good at picking things up like that. And I think, um, I think it's, I have, um, I feel like hyper-focus is another, it's, it's a negative and a positive. Yeah. I think great once you get into, um, you know, you're, you're hyper-focusing on a task, you can do it for hours and get so much stuff done yeah but then it's also the case of you hyper focusing on something that isn't necessarily productive um and that kind of yeah gets in the way of it sometimes so yeah there's ups and downs to it yeah i mean i i guess like anything you know there are positives there, there are negatives but the hyper focus yeah i mean i absolutely hear that you know i guess it can be negative i mean some people that with adhd you know, hyper focus, and maybe they'll be so focused on what they're doing, they'll be so productive, and so, but maybe they'll forget to eat, or maybe they'll forget to drink. You know, but yeah, but but the hyper focus, I guess, can be a real strength. You know, in terms of you know completing a task and being inspired and really kind of riding, you know, that energy, like with the with the gown you were talking about. I mean, that I think can be a real strength. You know, of the kind of neurodiverse brain, really. And and in terms of your your acting. I mean, this might be too difficult one for you to answer, but how does the hyper-focus come in when you're kind of playing a character? Because I'm guessing that must probably help a lot. You can really, well, I don't know, I don't put words in your mouth. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what, what, what's it like in terms of your acting? Yeah. Um, it definitely does help. There are some ups yeah. and downs. Okay. Um, I, the, I tend to procrastinate a lot, which I think everyone does. Um, yeah. But sometimes the procrastinating comes to when I need to learn lines. Um, and, um, so I find it quite hard to learn the lines, but once I learn them, I'm good. I replay them in my head daily. Um, but the hyper-focus definitely comes when I see a role that I'm really interested in or that I want, because as I said before, people with ADHD tend to focus a lot more on things that they're interested in. So if I find a role that I'm really interested in, or I really like, that's when I, I, I buckle down and my brain sort of focuses on it. I research it. Um, I do, you know, research on the people producing it and all of that. Yeah. That's really good. Um, so that's kind of a superpower, I guess, with with ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And just for our listeners, and again, this is just maybe difficult for you to answer, but can you give our listeners an idea of what it's like what ADHD brain is like? Well, what, what what is it like for you cognitively? I know that's maybe a little bit abstract, but what, what, um, can you give our listeners a feel of what you know the, the neurodiverse brain and how your brain works, basically? Yeah. Well, for me specifically, it's either super busy and running yeah. at one hundred miles an hour, yeah. or there's nothing going on, okay. <laughs> and that's the, that's the inattentive part. Um, so annoyingly the hyperactive, I have hyperactivity in my brain, the, you know, million thoughts comes right before I'm trying to sleep. Um, and that's quite hard to get to sleep because my brain is, Oh, I need to do this. Oh, I need to do this. Oh, I forgot to text this person. I forgot to do this. I forgot to do that. Um, and that's one tip that I have for anyone with ADHD or just got diagnosed is I use the reminders app on my phone. Um, anytime I think of something I need to remember, I add a reminder to my phone so I can get it out of my brain and onto yeah. something else. 
because if I if I know I have to remember something, I won't be able to focus on anything else. Yeah. Um, and I've got a calendar in my room so I can get all of my, um, you know, appointments and stuff out of my head and I just have a visual calendar there. Um, I also set alarms religiously. Um, yeah. yeah. If I have to, for example, leave at 2.30 for something, I will set an alarm for 1.30. So that gives me an hour to kind of get in the mindset of, okay, you need to start getting ready. You need to eat something. Mm-hmm. You need to leave. Um, because... Yeah. If I didn't have those alarms, I'd have time blindness and I would just forget that I have to do something and then it will be two minutes before I have to leave and I'm scoffing down food and um, it'll be a a challenge. So those are a few things that are kind of, that I've kind of developed um, to help me specifically, yeah. Yeah, and the time blindness is also something that is quite common, isn't it, with ADHD, you know, thinking, you know, people with ADHD feeling they got more time perhaps than than they have i mean with i mean all of the strategies i guess that you use must be really helpful i mean the externalizing thing getting things out of your mind and putting them you know into the reminder app or you know put them on the calendar i mean all that is really good i think all of that is really good for people with adhd but i honestly think all of that is really good for anyone really getting it out of here and putting it somewhere external is good you know but with with the strategies that you've developed did they come pre-diagnosis or have they come after diagnosis they most of them were pre-diagnosis but post-diagnosis I have a reason for them if that makes sense like I have a reason for why they help me um like I I wouldn't be able to survive without these things and I know that's because I struggle with certain symptoms and stuff um because pre-diagnosis because I got diagnosed so late I thought it was just normal I thought you know, I get very overwhelmed very easily. That's just who I am. Yeah. It's like you, you need you need that additional support. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and th- there are things as well. The more I research, the more I understand the the, um, the ADHD, the more I can kind of help myself through it. And then that's also where um, therapy comes into place as well because they're experts they they deal with this on a daily basis they can also use strategies um so it, it's it's i think the the best thing that someone who gets diagnosed um can do is research so they understand their brain that was really helpful for me because it, it kind of validated my feelings it validated my struggles um and then you can figure out some strategies that will help you specifically yeah i mean i i I totally agree and there's some really good information now about adhd out there you know i think in recent years you know adhd has become a bit more talked about you know neurodiversity generally i think is more of a conversation now which is really really good you know so that and i guess getting the diagnosis just normalizes it really you know i mean adhd is a very common condition isn't it so i guess you get the diagnosis and i think this is often the case with people with adhd and often the case that they get diagnosed late. I mean, this unfortunately is something really, really common. But the diagnosis comes and it, it's like an epiphany. You know, I, I guess there's a complete understanding of a neurodiverse brain. And then, you know, there's a there's, then there's an ongoing, you know, research in, ter- in terms of understanding what the brain is is doing and then, you know, finding strategies. And also, I have to say, you know, people that are diagnosed late with ADHD often have a whole host of coping strategies because they've just developed these over their life. I mean, that also, I think, is not uncommon. I mean, in terms of the kind of psychologist, 
how has how has that helped? Could you say a little bit more about about that and kind of the work that you've done as much as you're happy to talk about, obviously? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think the main thing for me is uh, like I'm still struggling with it now, but it's it's kind of um I needed help to validate the diagnosis because I had um uh imposter syndrome when I got diagnosed I was like oh maybe I just told him the right things maybe I maybe I was lying um maybe you know he might not be as good as all the rest like major imposter syndrome it's all it's all silly talk um so I think the therapist was one of the first people that actually said you do have ADHD let's talk about it um, and this is another reason why I don't, I don't, I don't really tell people that I have ADHD. I think um, if I've got some people that know me listening, will probably be surprised by the fact that I have it, um, because I don't tell people because I am kind of scared of the 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 view that people have on mental health nowadays. Like it's definitely a lot better than what it was a few years ago, but. I think some people may think, you know, this is probably my imposter syndrome, but, you know, um, she's just doing it for attention. You know, she hasn't been diagnosed, like blah, blah, blah. Um, So I think that's why I don't open up about it, which is quite sad. Mm. Um, But there are some people, I think there's there's some people out there that do think that, you know, it's it's an attention-seeking thing or... Um, don't know enough about it and just because I was diagnosed late like it means that I can't have it and stuff like that so yeah that's been that's been a bit of a a struggle recently um, that I'm still trying to work on. Yeah and it does make it really difficult I think and and I'm really resonating with what you're saying yeah I mean discussions around mental health have got better you know I mean over you know over my life I mean when I was young there was no discussion really so I mean things have changed and things are improving but I have to be honest I mean there is a long way to go isn't there I mean things like you know there's still so much stigma you know and personal opinion you know and I think ADHD really I think that there's there's often so much misconception about it you know so much stigma I mean you talk about attention seeking I mean that is something that I've heard people really really don't I mean I have to choose my words carefully but you know but often people comment on these things without any understanding really you know of what it is you know and it leaves people in a position where they don't want to open up about it because of all the misperceptions and I guess this is what you're saying here isn't it it stopped you from opening up really you've had to kind of keep it in yeah definitely and it it still happens now um but uh you know there's been times where when I do tell people I have ADHD they will say things like oh I think I have it too I I get um distracted very easily and it's like yes Mm -hmm. I understand that if, if you feel that way, you know, go see a psychiatrist. But I think when people say things like, you know, oh, I I'm, I think I'm the same, I get distracted a little bit or I'm super hyperactive and stuff like that, it, it kind of invalidates the experience of someone with ADHD. Yeah. Um, obviously excluding people that, you know, actually want to, see psychiatrist and stuff like that but it's mm-hmm. I think it's the people that you know say things like oh I'm so OCD I have to be clean all the time it's stuff like that I think yeah. is an, another thing that is negatively impacting um the uh 
you know, people with ADHD and other disorders like OCD and um, things like that. I think that's also another reason why I don't open up very much because I don't want people to think that I've self-diagnosed, um, yeah. which I think is very prevalent now, especially due to TikTok. There are a lot of videos going around on TikTok where people give out symptoms of ADHD, but as we know, you know, a lot of symptoms of ADHD are common amongst neurotypical people. For sure. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of neurotypical people thinking because they have a few ADHD symptoms that mm. they've definitely got it. And then they'll go around saying that they have ADHD um, because a lot of people don't know that, you know, ADHD is hereditary. And um, I, I don't know how many symptoms, but a few symptoms have to show up in at least three areas of your life. So whether that be school, work or at home. So there are so many different aspects to getting diagnosed that people aren't aware of and I think that's causing a big um a, a, there's a lot of misinformation going around I guess um and that's impacting and it, I feel a touch invalidated as someone yeah. with ADHD when when those sort of things go around yeah I mean I really hear that I mean it's I mean with, with with the OCD comment just picking up on it that's so common isn't it people say oh I like a clean house I must have OCD and it, it does you know I mean just looking at OCD I mean I get of course there's a whole spectrum you know of OCD but people you know really kind of down the spectrum with I mean OCD can be incredibly difficult people find it really difficult to live their lives and yeah, so that, I, mean, I guess it, it is just a reinforcement of the misperception, really. And people that, you know, actually have the condition, have the neurodiverse brain, just feel completely invalidated by it, really. And I guess even when you're opening up and someone is saying, oh, I think I've got it because I can't concentrate when I, I mean, that invalidates you in the moment, really. I mean, you're not heard, you're not. So people, so when you have talked about it, people won't really ask follow-up questions. They, they won't particularly be interested in finding out more has, has that been your experience I know you haven't opened up much about it well I think it's it, yeah it goes one or two ways it goes either um or actually I've had a few different ways you know I, I do get the comment of like oh I think I have it too which like mm. don't get me wrong if you, if you think you have it as well go see your GP go sure. go see a psychiatrist um it's just the self-diagnosing I don't personally yeah. agree with um but I've also had people say like oh you're just doing it for attention. The psychiatrist will tell you anything you want to hear. I've had someone say that to me, um, which is kind of the other end of the spectrum. And then yeah, that's, there's that's awful. Of, yeah, sorry to jump yeah. in, but yeah, yeah, it wasn't a great experience. Um, and then it's also just people not knowing enough about it. Um, and I I love it when people ask about it because it it does validate what I'm feeling. It does it makes me feel like I'm, I'm educating people about it which I yeah. ultimately want people to learn more about ADHD because of all the misconceptions um so that's probably the best case scenario is you know asking about it how can you help validating the person um yeah uh, and yeah don't kind of um you know we're just like everyone else we just need a little bit of help in other situations so I think um yeah, just just going at it with a with a positive attitude, I guess, and and a, an open mind and willingness to learn about it. Yeah, I mean the willing the willingness to learn, I think, is key. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, 
yeah, I mean, we live in a kind of new atypical society, but that being said, I mean, GNU diversity is so common in so many different kind of manifestations. I mean, I, I work a lot with kind of highly sensitive people and, and even that now is coming into, you know, the kind of new, under a new diversity umbrella. And I think that is really, really good. I mean, what was it, I mean, what was it like for your family? I mean, if it's okay to ask that, when you got the diagnosis, what was what was the kind of feedback from family if it's okay to ask that yeah well um uh (laughs) I've got a a weird there are a few different mindsets in my family um but uh you know when I was talking to my my mum about it before I got diagnosed um I was kind of telling her about it because um because as I said I didn't really get raised in a household that knew much about it just because of I guess as talked about or as common back then. Sure, sure. Um, and so when I told mum, she was like, mm, okay. Um, but I was kind of telling her more about it. Then, you know, when we went to the psychiatrist together, it kind of opened her eyes a little bit and she mm. was like, wait, I thought that was just Kira being Kira. I didn't know that was well, which is which is true. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but she didn't realize that they were they were ADHD symptoms, but because yeah. you know I have dealt with this my entire life, it is just me. Um, yeah. But there's a reason that I do specific things and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, that's why I'm not on medication at the moment um, because you know I, I've been undiagnosed with ADHD for like 18, 19 years of my life. Yeah. So I don't feel like. I necessarily need to change that right now. Um, you know, I'm, you know, may start taking medication once if I go back to uni because, you know, that's when you need, really need to focus and yeah, sure. stuff like that. But I've dealt with it for years of all of my life. I don't really feel like it's necessary to um, take medication because I've, I've kind of got my own coping strategies. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the the family experience. It was a it was a lot of learning. It was learning for all of us, yeah. um, and there's there's a long way to go, but we've definitely made progress. And um, yeah, it's been good. And yeah, and with the medication, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's so much a personal choice, isn't it? I mean, some people, you know, take medication for sorts of things, you know, mental health wise. You know, other people don't. And so, I guess what I hear you saying is, you know, you you've developed your whole life you've developed coping strategies you know and you've you've kind of managed the condition in a pre-diagnosis for for years really so there's no need really at this point to take medication because your coping strategies support you really definitely yeah and um you know I think medication is amazing and I'm very like grateful that we have that opportunity yeah and I think if if you have ADHD and you want to take medication go for it it's it's such a good uh coping mechanism or probably not the bright word but it's such a good way to help your brain and yeah you know create some of those symptoms but for me personally I don't feel like it's quite necessary at the moment so that's just a personal choice for me but I think maybe in the future if I you know go back to school or if I need to focus on specific things I might get into it a bit more yeah I mean, could I ask you, you've, you've already talked about a few kind of coping strategies, but could I maybe just expand that and ask you maybe what, what else has helped you over the years? I mean, what, what other strategies do, do you use? Hmm. Well, um, in terms of studying, if I think back about um, me when I was in uni, I found that I can't leave things half done. 
um, yeah. which is funny because um, a lot of my hobbies I leave half done. <laughs> like okay. I've got a lot of half projects in my wardrobe hiding right now. Um, but in terms of assignments and stuff, once I start, I need to finish it, which yeah. can be very overwhelming. But ultimately that's that was best for my learning capabilities and yeah. how I found assignments because I tended to... I, f- I felt like if I stopped, I wouldn't be able to get the motivation to start again. Yeah, sure, get that. Yeah. A lot of my assignments, I would, um, so if it was due in a week or if it was due in two weeks, I would pretend it was due in a week. So I would, because I would procrastinate up until that week, yeah. but I tricked my brain into thinking I had less time than I did. So I always submit my assignments early. Um, so it's it's kind of, you know, manipula- manipulating yourself. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. kind of what I yeah. Um, I also listened to um, music while I was studying, but not music with lyrics because that would distract me. Yeah. And listen to kind of white noise sort of music. Yeah. Um, right. There's a lot of like, if you just look up ADHD music on YouTube, you'll see a lot of those sort of things and you just kind of find one that you connect to. And there was one that I would just listen to all the time and it just kind of calmed my brain down. Yeah. Um, Another thing is, you know, if I have to watch a bunch of lectures, I have something to fiddle with my hands. Like right now I'm fiddling on a scrunt, um, on a slinky yeah. just because it, it helps me focus. It gives my body yeah. something to do because I've got so much um, kind of hyperactivity in yeah, my brain. Sure. My body. Yeah. Um, so that was another sort of coping strategy that I really helped, uh, that really helped me, but um, just staying organized and, trying to alleviate a lot of pressure on your brain a lot of yeah. stuff that your brain is trying to remember um I always found that a good thing that kind of calmed my brain was cleaning because I felt like I was cleaning my brain mm, if yeah, I was working or living in a cluttered area I need to clean it because then it kind of felt like I was cleaning everything um so that really helped as well just having a clean area less distractions as well um, so that's kind of the thing that I would do to kind of, uh, if I was going through kind of a sensory overload, I would, I would just yeah. take some time, clean up, put some yeah. music on headphones in, just turn off for a while and then yeah. go back, at, go back at it. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I mean, all of these are really, really good coping strategies. I think with people with ADHD, the shift of, you know, having split attention helps, isn't it? I mean, that's why I'm guessing the music helps because, you know, you're, it's just your, your mind's concentrating on two things, really. And, you know, and, and I guess the stimming, you know, I mean, I do it myself when, when I mean, when I have a pen and I kind of play around with it. So, I, I mean, I guess that really, really helps because it's giving your body something to do, isn't it? And again, I guess it's kind of a split of attention, really. You're kind of splitting your attention, you know, a, a wee bit, you know, so I, I, so you have developed so many coping strategies. I mean, another one is, that I've read about is exercise. I mean, physical exercise meant to be really, really great for ADHD. I don't know whether you found that. Yeah, I've heard yeah. a lot of things about it. Um, but that is the one thing that I can't get my butt off the couch to do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a personal thing, though. I just yeah. I exercise, but it is very good for people with ADHD. And I did found I did find that whenever I you know did go out for a walk or a run or you know hung out with friends and just walked around it yeah. did help 
clear my mind but I just hate exercise so much that I don't do it enough <laughs> yeah. okay well I mean the other coping strategies are clearly working enough for you I mean I, I know we're kind of running out of time but I just wanted to ask you about the overwhelm because that is also really common isn't it with with ADHD I mean there's a whole school of thought I don't know if you have you ever read the book by Gabor Mate about ADHD it's a no I yeah i'll maybe send you a link to it i mean i think it's a really really good book and and he you know he talks about overwhelm and he talks about people with with adhd you know having a, a you know a, a deep sensitivity really uh you know and i guess what comes with a deep sensitivity is possibility for overwhelm and i just wonder could you explain to our listeners a little bit around what it feels like when you get overwhelmed when there's sensory overwhelm or yeah task overwhelm yeah, there are a few different types, um, I guess, for me perfect, per- personally that I've experienced. Um, the, you know, I guess the most obvious one would be kind of a sensory overload, uh, whether that be you be in a really busy shopping centre yeah. or loud places or, you know, um, one thing for me was like, you know, catching public transport or, or um you know flights and stuff because you not only have a bunch of people around you but you also have to focus on okay when's this one coming this train is in 20 minutes but I takes me 15 minutes to walk there I I only have five minutes to spare stuff like that um that's why I don't uh, take public transport anymore because I just it's just too much for me I drive everywhere yeah and because of acting I'm always required in the city I just drive in the city um so that's what really got to me was the, and then that kind of also leads into the other sort of um, overload or overwhelming feeling that I get is when I have too much going on in my brain. So if I have to think about too much, if I um, have a bunch of appointments or a bunch of things to do, that I get very overwhelmed very easily. Yeah. Um, and that's where things like to-do lists and stuff come into play. But yeah. those both for me kind of, are worse when I'm doing things like public transport because I'm not only thinking about oh my god there are five million people around me um I have nowhere to sit it's hot it's stuffy I don't know where I am I've never been to this place before but I'm also thinking oh my god this train is in two minutes what if I don't make it when's the next one um and then if plans change that's a whole nother stress So I I run through every single scenario in my head. Um, If I have to be somewhere, I will run through it. I'll be like, okay, I need to be in my car by this time so I can get to the place by this time. Then I can catch this train at this time. And if I miss one of those steps, my whole plan unravels. And it's unbelievably overwhelming. And at that point, you just kind of want to shut down and not go not do what you want to do um so that is a very big struggle as well yeah and i I think you know that's going to be really resonated by other people with adhd you know and and other you know conditions i mean highly sensitive people feel feel this as well and and i guess when you're in those situations i guess your mind is trying to problem solve i mean i'm just thinking about a change last minute change of plan and and the adh mind and i'm correct me if this is wrong but i'm guessing your mind starts to problem solve so i guess it's trying to do you a favor but in a really busy busy way lots and lots of thoughts coming really really quickly yeah like people with ADHD are amazing at problem solving which makes such a good um employee to have they're great at problem solving um however it it can get overwhelming um especially 
you know, me specifically, I find it very difficult to, um, cause you've kind of like imagined your whole day out. You've, you've planned your entire day. You I've gone through it mentally. And then as soon as something changes, it's like, Oh God, this I've, I've need to start all over again. And it's very yeah. overwhelming, which I know is, um, you know, a, a symptom of, um, ASD is, you know, planning yeah, everything true. out, being yeah. overwhelmed with, um, with plans changing and stuff like that. And, um, I guess, you know, so many mental illnesses, uh, they kind of go hand in hand. Like I, I found out um, a few months ago that ADHD is more common with a comorbidity than alone. So um, yeah. more people have ADHD with another disorder rather than ADHD alone. Um, so I guess to add on top of the ADHD, you could also have a comorbidity, but. Um, yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, there's often a comorbidity with ASD and ADHD. You know, yeah, I mean, just just to name just to name one. Yeah, and I and I guess it is called disorder. But I don't know. I always struggle with that word. I mean, honestly, you know, I mean, because these things are not disorder. These things are, I mean, these things are just neurodiverse diversity. And I guess you know why is ADHD still now being naturally selected? It's being naturally selected because I guess in a hunter gatherer society it's really useful, isn't it? I mean, goodness me, the person, you know, in that kind of, I mean, and, and also now, you know, there are elements, but in that kind of primal society, I mean, the person with ADHD would be problem solving. They would have energy. They would have hyper-focus. They, such a benefit to the group, you know, which I guess is why it's still being naturally selected. You know, there are lots of benefits, you know, to it. I, we kind of need to finish there. Is there anything else that you would like to say that I've not given you the opportunity to? No, not really. I think we've covered most things. I, I just think, you know, if if you're questioning, um, if you might have ADHD, go see a psychiatrist, get a diagnosis, um, do some research. And even if you don't think you have some, even if you don't think you have ADHD, just do some research, learn about it so you can understand everyone else. Brilliant. And I just want to say thank you so much for coming on, Kira. You know, this is going to be a really, really interesting show for our listeners and such an important subject. So I'm really glad we've come back to it. And uh, nice to see you again. You too. Thanks for having me. Again, I just want to thank Kira so much for coming on and sharing her lived experience with ADHD. Kira was very, very generous in sharing, you know, her experience of ADHD uh, and the late diagnosis, which unfortunately I think is still very common. ADHD is a very, very misunderstood condition. Um, and often people have an idea of ADHD expressed through a male lens. I think this is possibly also true a lot with ASD, really. And the presentation in terms of gender you know, can be incredibly different in terms of ADHD and also ASD. Uh, females mask, you know, much, much better, you know, than, than males. And so the presentation can look very, very different depending on gender. And of course, the presentation looks very, very different depending on the individual because we are all complete individuals and we're not, you know, our condition, you know, it, it's, not, uh, it's not us, you know, it's a part of us, but obviously we bring a lot more to, to the table as individuals. Looking at some of the coping strategies that Kira talks about that she developed over year over the years, some great coping strategies there for ADHD, putting reminders into a reminder app, putting reminders onto a calendar in order to try and externalize some of these things that perhaps would be 
you know, going around in her mind, you know, possibly in a kind of circular and possibly sometimes overwhelming way. I think that's a good strategy for people with ADHD. I think that's a good strategy for neurotypicals getting stuff out of your brain and putting it onto paper. Things like journaling, things like Canada's, things like the mind labs, I think can be tremendously helpful. Um, I'll say in terms of medication, I thought it was interesting what Kira was saying about medication. Um, lots of people take medication and are helped by medication that have ADHD. But Kira was saying, well, she she she'd had a life where she you know dealt with the undiagnosed ADHD and she developed you know such good coping strategies. So she felt at this time, you know, medication wasn't wasn't needed. Um, so again, just a just a big thank you to to Kira. Um, and I'm really, really glad we were able to talk about ADHD again. And um, this won't be the last time we talk about neurodiversity or indeed ADHD, ADHD it's a very, very misunderstood condition. So very, very important to when you get lived experience guests talking about it. Um, the next show will be coming this week. Um, I'm going to be interested, um, going to be interviewing um, a guest from California. Um, so watch out for that one. That should be coming on Friday. And once again, as I always say at the end of the show, you know, thanks again for everyone that listens. We wouldn't have a show without you. And, you know, look after yourselves, look after each other and look after the planet. I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks again for listening to the show. If you have been affected by any of the topics on this show or any other of our shows, um, if you're in the UK, then please reach out. Um, Samaritans can be contacted on 116-123. And the GP is also a good source of um, contact and can be the gateway for you know, counselling services and other mental health support. Um, reach out to your mental health support team, um, mental health first aider, um, or trusted friend, colleague, or family member. We have a lot of international listeners. Um, so if you're listening from a non-UK country, um, then please reach out to you know your country's healthcare and mental health care providers. Um, and remember, it's okay not to be okay. <laughs>